Welcome in to another episode of We're Talking. Tonight we're talking football. Raging Cajun football with Dave Amato. How are you this evening, Dave? I am doing great. Just finished picking up my daughter from cheer practice like I do every Thursday night. So I uh, got home and uh, knocked this out and then uh, get some sleep and, and finish the work week. So just a busy, Understand. busy couple of days. Any chance you're heading over to Birmingham this weekend? I am not, um, mostly because I am leaving tomorrow afternoon to drive to Deweyville, Texas. And most people probably don't know where that is, but it's on the Texas side of Toledo Bend. It's about two hours from here to watch a football, to watch a high school football game uh, that my daughter will be a cheerleader at. So, all right. Well, let's jump right in. Uh, Cajuns have UAB this weekend. not a stellar performance by the Cajuns last weekend. I, I think some things were improved. Other things uh, I thought digressed a little bit. But let's jump into UAB. Uh, new head coach there in uh, Trent Dilfer. Yeah. Uh, what's your, what, what did you uh, find out digging around about Trent there? I mean, is this something yes. we need to call the CIA on or something to <laughs> knock him out? No, look, Trent, okay, everybody, I think on this podcast that'll listen, everybody that's uh, around knows who Trent Dilfer is. Trent Dilfer was a, you know, a a very successful college and NFL quarterback uh, with a Super Bowl ring to his credit. Um, But we know what he was. He was a game manager uh, more than he was a, a star quarterback. Um, But he, look, he's, he knows football. He's been around football a long time. Um, and you have to bear with me. I just had a, uh, something go on with my computer, with my second monitor, um, I'm trying to fix, but, um, yeah, look at the end of the day, he's a, he's a spectacular, uh, history of football and look, he's, uh, he's come in and I, I, it was a weird situation. Um, Bill Clark stepped down, uh, at UAB and Bill Clark was beloved there. And I think um, the assumption was that one of the assistant coaches was going to get the head coaching job and, and they didn't give it to him. Some players were upset. I think some fans were upset about that, um, but they brought in Trent Dilfer and, and Trent has zero college coaching experience. He was a high school coach before uh, coaching at UAB. But he's come in. I think he's won some of the fans over. He's won some of the um, uh, administration and some of the players over. So I think it's, I think it's, I think it's a good thing. I, I, I think it's exciting that he's coaching there. It, it gives them, you know, you hate to use the term splash hire, but they hired a guy that people know and they know pretty well. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's start out where. Uh everybody starts out with and where it started out last weekend for us with uh with the quarterback play what do we expect from uh UAB's quarterback yeah and uh man I'm 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 really struggling with my computer right now so, all right well man. hold on a second here let's just take a pause the joys of uh the joys of recording live uh I don't edit these I'm not a fan uh I shouldn't say I'm not a fan of it I just uh I don't have a whole lot of time, and Dave, I just saw your video went away, <laughs> or is going in and out. Uh, hopefully, you're not going in and out. 
I'm not. I I am having all kind. Look, I'll tell you what happened. Just so uh, the the audience knows, I had uh, we had a storm yesterday, and I lost complete. I had I lost complete power at the house, and uh, because of that, my second monitor went out, and I had to change monitors. So I am struggling with a second monitor okay. that's giving me. All right, so. let's go on to the quarterback play. UAB. Yeah, no. So, so yeah. So Jacob Zeno is their quarterback. Yeah, Jacob six four two fifteen, big, big, strong kid. Uh, he's a transfer from Baylor. He played sparingly there. He played nine games, had two starts there. Um, just not a guy who had a lot of playing time. Um, and then he split time last year with Dylan Hopkins, who's moved on. But his numbers were pretty good. Um, but this year he's been ex- extremely successful. Um, when I tell you his numbers for the year, he's 71 of 84. So he's completing 70 plus percent of his passes uh, with five touchdowns and one interception. What I have learned in doing some digging is he's, you know, most of his passes and most of the offense has been built around um being very horizontal, not necessarily like uh, uh, Old Dominion that we faced that was very vertical as an offense, going deep with speed wide receivers. They've done a really good job of throwing short passes, which makes sense um, in a in a Trent Dilfer offense that it's kind of uh, that 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 dink and dunk and uh, go out wide screen passes. Um, uh, type offense so that's what we're seeing from him but he's been very successful this year in the first two games yeah the game i, I i'm not going to discount but i guess i am uh, as i say that i'm about to i'm not <laughs> even going to look at the north carolina a a and t game A&T. the the game the, the game that i'm more concerned bit with is the uh the game they played georgia southern last week and for those that want to hear more about that game you can listen to podcast with Danny Reed from the Georgia Southern Sports Network uh, that I recorded a couple of days ago. It's on the uh, podcast, uh, wherever you find your podcast. But uh, he was 33 for 40, 33 for 43 for 385 yards, uh, two touchdowns, an interception, long as 67. So you're telling me that, was that a swing? I mean, I don't know if you got a chance to watch the game. I didn't yet, and I was hoping to get a little bit of a look at it tomorrow. Um, so I didn't have a chance to look at that one play. I know from hearing from Coach Dez and hearing some of the, you know, just just other press conferences from Trent Dilfer, you know, he they they will readily tell you their offense is really it's all based on mostly using the passing game as a as an extension of the running game. Okay. Well, uh, there, uh, the 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 one reception one was there. Uh, the six the long one for sixty seven yards was the only uh, catch that this young man made. So mm-hmm. uh, very interesting there as well too. I don't know. It may it could have been late in the game. I said I didn't yeah. get an opportunity to watch that as well either. But um, they do you know, have an interesting. They do have an interesting uh, backup quarterback, uh, Landry Liddy, who's a transfer from Louisiana Tech, who actually was a starter at Louisiana Tech for a little while. Um, who is is the backup to Zeno? But I, as long as Zeno's healthy, he's the guy who's going to be driving the bus there. Got you. 
So what about the running backs? I'm seeing again, I'm not I'm taking away the North Carolina A and T game. It's kind of like us looking sure. at Northwestern. But you got three guys there that uh saw the majority of the the opportunities to get the ball. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a two-headed backfield. They do have some other guys who who touch the rock, but but it's two guys that they're gonna give the ball to mostly. Isaiah Jacobs and Jermaine Brown are their main two guys. Um, and they're different in physical stature and and type of run. Uh Jacobs is a 5'10, 220, more of a bullish type guy, while Jermaine Brown is a little bit smaller. He's 5'8, 195. Uh, their numbers have been almost identical on the season. Uh, but they've carried most of the payload for the uh for the for the Blazers this year. Um one of the guys, the um, uh, bear with me, and I'm trying to look at my notes here. Um, I Jermaine Brown is a guy who was with the team last year, was the second leading rusher on the team. Um, while Isaiah Richards, he's a transfer in from, or I say Jacobs is a transfer in from JUCO. But they, if you look at their numbers, you know, 19 carries for 81 yards and three touchdowns versus 18 carries for 89 yards and one touchdown. I mean, they're very, very, very similar, and they'll they'll split them back up, and and one will come in, one will drop out, and and they don't they have confidence in both of them. Yeah, the interesting part in the uh, Georgia Southern game is Brown, uh, four. Uh, 44 yards on 13 carries, but, you know, for a 2.6 average. Yeah. Uh, but both of them, all three of the running backs, uh, actually against uh, Georgia Southern, uh, uh, Jacobs had a 25-yard run, Brown with a yeah. 19, and then Zeno, even the third back coming in, had a 19-yard run. So it looks like they all have the ability to break it. Well, at Zeno's, the same time. Yeah, Zeno's the quarterback, and he can run. He, he is oh. capable of running with the ball. Sorry, I, I yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, but but if you take away Brown's long run of 19 yards, and he's you know he's 25 yards on 12 carries, so yeah. even closer to two yards a carry. Two yards so, a carry, right? Yeah, and look, they're both capable out of the backfield catching the ball too. I mean, they both have you know eight. One has eight, and one has seven uh, receptions. But that that fits into that Trent Dilfer type offense where the running backs are going to be very involved in the passing game as well. So these are guys that can hurt you. And 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 look, we don't know exactly what they have because, like you said, a lot of their numbers were put up against a a really bad North Carolina A and T team. Um, but, but look, they're, they're guys who are, you know, Brown put up almost a thousand yards last year as a secondary back for this team. So he's a capable guy of, of putting up big numbers. Did I call them North Carolina AT&T? I don't know if you did. I don't think you did. It is okay, North Carolina did, AT&T. <laughs> I, it, if I did, I apologize if there's anybody which I doubt it, but I apologize. I, that was not my intent to mock Just, uh, them in any uh, in any way. I, you know, I lived in so. Greensboro for a long time, and that's where A and T is. I'll tell you that you know, and I know we're very proud of Southern and Grambling's bands, but one of the greatest bands, uh, college football bands, you will ever see is out of uh, yeah. North Carolina A and T. Get a little bit of everything here. 
Even some band talk on we're talking. <laughs> See, we're talking bands right now. But that's right. Let's get back that's to right. let's get back to talking football. The receiver side of it, though, you got some guys there. It looks like you've got a couple guys, uh, both one over a hundred yards, another one with with eighty. So, and, and I guess you would expect that if if your quarterback's got three hundred eighty five yards on, on passing. So, what sure. what are we looking at there as the wide receiver? Is this going to be uh, if, if I remember correctly, when I was looking at the two deep on some things, they seem to use the tight end as well. But before they we get do. to that, let's let let's talk about the receiving core. Well, well, look, I, I I alluded to it in the in the section on running backs, and we'll allude to it here. There's 13 different guys who have caught the ball this year from uh, from Zeno. Uh, they will throw it around and spread it around a lot. Uh, they've got, they don't have one player who has more than 10 catches, but they've got seven guys who have more than five. So there's a lot of different guys who are going to touch the ball. The leader in that group is Tejon Palmer, 6'2", 210. He's a, a bigger type guy who's got 10 catches for 137 yards and one touchdown. Uh, I, I put this guy in here, one, because he's the second leading receiver on the two, and two, I love his nickname, Iverson Strap Hooks at 5'10", 175, who has nine catches for 95 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, those are going to be your main two guys. The next, you know, the, the two running backs have eight and seven, respectively. Um, but they've they've spread the ball around to a bunch of different guys. Uh, and again, you'd expect that in a in a Trent Dilfer type offense where um they're they're throwing the ball kind of you know to different type of guys, different, you know, short yardage type receivers. So you're getting the ball to a lot of guys quickly and trying to get it out of his hands quickly um uh, so that he can make plays with his legs. Gotcha. So what are um, we looking Go ahead. I was going to say, go ahead. You, oh, you well, I, I know you. I know you wanted to talk about the tight ends, and I think that's where you were going next. Yep. yep. Um, and they really have a threat there with Bryce Damus, six three two forty, very athletic guy um, who's tied for second on the team. He's got nine receptions, and then they've got another one, six, almost identical in size, six four two forty, Dallas Payne. Uh, who has four catches, but he was a, a big time receiver for him last year. So both while he only has four catches this year, both of their tight ends get involved, their running backs get involved, and then they've got five or six wide receivers that get involved. So they're throwing the ball to a ton of different type of guys and a ton of different players. So uh, they'll utilize anybody in the in the spread that they can throw the ball to, and they will, and they'll throw it to. Like I said, a couple of tight ends, a couple of running backs, and multiple wide receivers. So we've got to be well, on our game. Well, that makes me think, you know, you, we bring up last year's stats and what, what the guys did and everything. How much of this coaching staff, if any, do you know were retained? Yeah, so when I looked, I tried to go through that, and uh, very little was back from last year. In fact, uh, the offensive coordinator um, has uh, was came over from, I think was an analyst from, I want to say Alabama, and then the defensive coordinator is actually, was the defensive coordinator at uh, Trent Dilfer's high school when he was the coach there. Um, a neat little tidbit about that, 
And this is his first college coaching experience. But more importantly, this is a guy, and I know it's high school versus college. This is a guy in uh, the last year that they were together in high school, they averaged giving up 5.5 points a game. Well, you know, uh, uh, I agree with you, totally different high school to college, but at the same time, you're playing in college, you're playing like opponents, and, and in high school, yeah. you're playing like opponents. So uh, does it always translate? Not necessarily. We we saw uh, Jerry Moeller go from Notre Dame, uh, from uh, Moeller High School in Cincinnati to Notre Dame, which was a complete flop. Disaster. So, but, but I think the world has learned a lot uh, 40 years later. So, well, well, we used to deal with it. And Todd Dodge took over North Texas. He was one of the most historic coaches in high school football in Texas. He took over North Texas and couldn't win a game. So, yeah, you know, it, I it, think it know. might be a little uh, a, a difference from a head coaching perspective. Uh, well, but at the same time, you got Trent Dilfer, but I think it's definitely different from a head coaching perspective in running everything as oh, opposed sure. to, because Mueller's biggest problem was my understanding was uh, is that he got to Notre Dame and didn't realize the workout regiment. I mean, these guys were out of shape. They were fat, you know, you, you know, they were able, they were still guys from Notre Dame, but they had no, no, no physical training yeah. besides football. So, but that's, that's a, a conversation for another day. So <laughs> talking about physical and training, what are the big uglies like up front? So, yeah, they've got a really re reworked offensive line. They've got some guys with experience, but they've brought in a handful of guys. It's center uh, Brady Wilson, 6'2", 300. Uh, he's a, this is a veteran group, even though they're from different worlds. Um, you'll see what I'm talking about. You know, he's a redshirt junior. Right guard, Quez Yates comes in, 6'6", 315. Redshirt junior from JUCO. Uh, left guard is Brendan Morin, a uh, 6'4", 300. Redshirt senior who was a transfer from the University of Sioux Falls. Right tackle, uh, Trey Badowski, 6'6", 300. And Will Parker, 6'5", 310, uh, is a redshirt sophomore. So they've got guys who are, you know, very experienced in, in age uh, or have played a lot at different levels. Uh, but not together. Uh, of those two guys, Brady Wilson and Will Parker are the two guys that I think are the leaders on that offensive line. Um, they're both projected to be uh, AAC uh, all-conference type players. So you've got two guys who are kind of the, 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 the flag bearers, been there, done it, and then three guys who have come in from other places who are – veterans but not with these guys so they're they're reworking that offensive line a little bit yeah but it's they've gonna performed be very, well it's going to be very interesting to see how the uh cajun's uh defensive line responds because you got some you know you you started reading those off yeah the the smallest guy on that line is six two three hundred you know you got yeah. six four six five and all all of these boys are right there at the 300 level so yeah. uh, I think it's going to be a pretty good challenge for the Cajuns on the it, from the defensive it, side of the ball. It will be, and it it will be because 
we thought so much of that defense, and granted, I know it was a Northwestern, but we saw so much out of them in that first game. And then we came up against what I'll tell you was an offensive buzzsaw last week, and we didn't look like we were prepared for it. We just looked like we were we were just out of sync. We were beaten deep. We were beaten against the run. I mean, there were there wasn't anything that you looked at and went, man, we looked really good doing this on defense. We we struggled in in both facets against the run and the pass. Well, so, and this is not making any excuse, but the 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 op the only observation I will bring to the table here on that is one, uh, they did not have a penalty called yeah. until the fourth quarter, and and that penalty was not a judgment call. There was only one judgment called penalty on them, and I think they only had three the whole game. Yeah. So the rest of them were not ju- – I mean, it was an illegal procedure. It's not a judgment call. Right. So, I no. mean, you can't you, – you're telling me we didn't get held, and I'm telling you we did get held. Right. Now, is that the reason we lost? Absolutely not. So, but yeah. point being, I'm not – last week's in the rearview mirror. Let's uh, let's uh, move on to the defensive line. What what are we looking at as the type of defense yeah, that they, they- have played? They, they'll bounce around a little bit, give you a lot of multiple looks. They'll bring in some players depending on down and distance. Um, um, traditionally, they 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 run what I would say is a four three, but but really, you know that 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 extra guy on the defensive line is really an outside linebacker who's an edge rusher uh, who can kind of bounce back into coverage because he's super athletic, or he can be a, a down lineman. So they'll. They don't change a lot of personnel necessarily, but change how that personnel looks. Um, so give you different looks, which gets confusing for an offense. If you're expecting, you know, you're trying to run the ball and you don't know where that guy's going to line up or if he can drop into coverage. And, they, and they've got some, you know, some pretty good depth there. Um, but but on that defense front, again, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of college football names. They've got a, a defensive tackle. Uh, Fish McWilliams at 6'1", 305 is probably the best player in that group. Uh, he's expected to be a first-team conference, all-conference type player. Um, hasn't really done much the first two games, but his expectations are are, are big. Um, next to him is Michael Fairbanks, 6'3", 255, who will bounce down from a, a fourth-down lineman to an outside linebacker. He's the guy that I, I was talking about that can kind of play both of those positions. They've got a true nose tackle at 6'3", 315, Kevin Penn. And then a really interesting guy, uh, Desmond Little, who's a transfer from LSU, who's a, who's a listed as an edge rusher uh, at 6'6", 235, super athletic guy uh, who you'll see bouncing all over the field. He'll be a guy who can, who can give you fits. The interesting part about the uh, defensive line to me, and I'm, again, I'm going to go back to this uh, uh, this game against Georgia Southern for them. Uh, and as I told, I was saying, let's forget about last week for the Cajuns. Uh, I'm looking back at what they did, uh, UAB did against Georgia Southern. So I'm being a little bit of a hypocrite here, but only four <laughs> tackles for a loss. Yeah. Uh, you know, 
that's uh and i don't know how many of those were from the defensive line so yeah look uh, I, I, and and the other thing that i uh excuse me uh, for a second uh, the other thing on there too in which you really have to look at the game you know sometimes the tackle for a loss is that cornerback on a swing pass out sure. so which, which it still is a tackle for a loss don't get me wrong and you're very happy that your cornerback made the play but I think, you know, when you think, well, I think when most people uh, think of a tackle for a loss, either a quarterback sack or a handoff where someone hit the running back or, you know, the, the quarterback starts to scramble. So those are the kind of things that, and maybe it's just me the way I think. So, yeah. no, I think you're right. Uh, and look, this team is built to stuff the run at the line of scrimmage and let their linebackers make plays behind them. Um, and I think coach Des alluded to that a little bit in his press conference that, you know, that's, that's their goal is to be run stoppers first, uh, not necessarily pressure the quarterback that much or pressure in the backfield, but try to keep the ball as close to the line of scrimmage as possible. And then they have super athletic guys at the next level who, whose expectations are to make plays behind those guys, right. Uh, and keep everything in front of them and not let them get, you know, too deep in the in the secondary because I, I think that's where where they if if you had to say they have a weakness that might be where it is. Um, but but I think that's the expectation is to you know stuff the run as much as they can and force you to do things you don't want to do. Yeah, you kind of see that again looking back at last week's stats. Uh, you know, no sacks, mm -hmm. only three quarterback uh, hurries. So. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and, and that may well translate into what, and again, you know, what is, uh, I mean, I wish without having to sit and watch the whole game and to do <laughs> things that you go, what, you know, how many one yard runs or two run yeah. yard runs uh, type of deals. Did you stop there? Because to me, that's still a pretty good stop there, especially no. if you get zero or one yard, it's not a tackle for a loss, but it's yeah. a quality quality play on the defense. Look, I think we talk about a lot about being behind the chains, right? But I don't think it's all about behind the chains. I think, you know, most offenses in college football and pro football, in any level of football, they don't want to be in the third and seven plus situation. And if you can stop, a, you know, you get a, a run stop on first down and an incomplete pass on second down, all of a sudden it's third and eight, third and nine. That's as good as, you know, second and 15 when you get a sack, right? I'd much rather be in that situation. And I think I think what we showed in week one was that we could do that. In week two, they were getting four and five and six and plus yards on first down, which really makes – it opens up your offense to do a lot of different things. And that's that's your concern. We've got to be able to slow that down and be able to or, – or, or vice versa on defense – be able to get them in those third and seven plus situations. Absolutely. Uh, back to uh, the play, the linebackers. I, I, and excuse me if you met, I, I know we talked about them, but sure. I don't think we got spe specific about them. We we did. And, and, and look, this is an entirely, their entire defense is a veteran group of Again, this is like their offensive line. Um, a lot of veteran guys that not necessarily have played a lot together because they came from either transfers from other schools or JUCO transfers, or they've come up through the system. 
Um, but if you look at it, there's a lot of redshirt sophomores, redshirt juniors, and redshirt seniors, and you see that a lot in the linebacking core as well. Damian Miller, six foot two fifteen, is a redshirt senior. Jackson Bratton, six three two thirty five, a transfer from Alabama, who's a junior. And then Michael Moore, 6'5", 240, is a redshirt senior JUCO guy. Um, very athletic at that position. Uh, Moore, Michael Moore's having probably the, the best start to the season. He's got a couple of tackles for loss, eight tackles on the season. Um, and 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 Damian Miller, who's a guy, again, they, they do a lot with – guys who are already on the field Damian Miller's a guy who can move back to a, like a hybrid safety if they need him to but he's listed as a linebacker uh he's having a really good season as well so um they're they're loaded there with athletic talent just guys who just haven't played a lot together and they're playing for the first time together this year well, if that's the case, what's going to happen with their DBs? And I mean, because it seems like this is an opportunity to for your receivers to kind of cross up uh, yeah. some linebackers and get in some open, uh, unless the strength of the team, which you already told me it was not. So yeah, I, uh, is the defensive backside there? They've got one really good cornerback in Mac McWilliams, uh, not a big guy, 5'10", 185, um, who is, you know, he's going to be a guy that's probably going to be on a, a, you know, on the AAC uh, all-conference team at some level, whether it's, you know, first or or, or third team. Uh, and then they've got one really pretty good safety in Keandre Swoops, who's six foot 195. Those are the two guys back there that are probably the most veteran and probably the, the best players in that group. I think there's some opportunities um, to expose both the nickel position and the other corner. Uh, the nickel position um, will be uh, Corey, uh, Colby Dempsey, um, at 5'10", 185, and then on the other side of him is probably B.J. Mays, uh, who has one of their only interceptions on the season. But I, I think there's an opportunity to expose those guys. And I, what I really like, and, and even – look, I think our offense played very well in that uh, Old Dominion game. What I really like is these young receivers for the Cages are starting to show – what they can do. I really, and, and look, I've been a proponent of him since he joined the team. I think Robert Williams is going to continue to grow. He's got a chance in this game to be really, really take advantage of some mismatch, uh, mismatches. And I, I really like Harvey Broussard. I think he's playing extremely well. The coaches are praising him big time. I think those guys, and, and then our veterans who, you know, you know, Peter LeBlanc, I think those guys have an opportunity in this game to expose some weaknesses uh, in this defense. I, I like the fact that we've got some young guys who can get deep and vertical on people and love. We, we, we showed we can go one-on-one -on -one matchups with these guys on 50-50 balls and do well. Uh, and we also showed that we've got some guys who can get over the middle and do some things. So I, I think this is an opportunity for us to really make some hay if if uh, Ben has a good game. Absolutely. Uh, finally, the uh, special teams. Let's go with the punter. Yeah. Um, so uh, they haven't had to punt much this season, <laughs> to be honest with you, because they've put up some big points. Now, again, one of those games was against uh, NCA&T. 
and then the other one was against Georgia Southern, but they still they still put up some points in that game. I think they had 35, if I'm not mistaken. He's only got two punts on the season for a 42-and-a-half-yard average, and one of those was for 55 yards, which concerns you because that means the other one was for, for probably about 35 yards. Um, he, he transferred in from Arkansas, but he didn't play at all at Arkansas. So he's really only had in his college career, so there's not much basis to know if he's going to be good, bad, or otherwise, he's only had the two punts that he's had this season. Good deal. What about the uh, kickoffs? Well, uh, the field goal kicker is Matt Quinn, who is a very good kicker from last year. He was 11 of 12 on his kicks. He started this year 0 for 2. One of them was between 20 and 29, and the other one was between 30 and 39. So it hasn't been long field goals that he's missed. He's just missed two field goals this year. Uh, I don't think he's as bad as the 0-2. He's probably not as good as the 11 for 12 he was last season, but he's a capable kicker. I just wish he wouldn't get hot against us. Um, but, but you know, you, you don't keep a guy who went 11 for 12 with a long of almost 50 last year, you know, 0 for, for the season. So I think he's going to he's gonna be fine. They have all the confidence in the world in him. Uh, but as you know, and we talked about this last year, uh, the kicking position is it's mostly mental, right? And if he's in a if he's in his own head, that could cause problems. Absolutely. Um, so is will he be doing the kickoffs? No, he doesn't. Another guy does, Jonah Delange. Um, and he's out of his eleven kickoffs this year, he's all he's had three touchbacks. So most of them are in the field of play, which will give us a chance to make some returns. And I'm telling you, the more I watch uh, Zylan Perry back there, he's really impressing me. So if he gets a chance, he's he's going to get some balls to run back this year, which uh, this week, which is, it should be good for us. Uh, finally, on their return team, let's uh, go with the punt return first. Yeah, so they've got two new guys uh, returning kicks this year, um, and their punt returner is Mac McWilliams, who's their their starting cornerback. Um, don't have much to talk about him. He didn't return any kicks last year for him, and he's only returned one punt this year for 19 yards. Um, he had one last year. Uh, in his only return last year was for 21 yards. So he, he's a guy that scares you as a punt returner because he's only returned two punts for an average of 20 yards, but he's only returned two. So um, he doesn't have a lot of, of tape to look at, but he's an athletic guy. He's their best corner. So I'm pretty sure he's fast. We're going to have to you know, watch him. He could, he could be a little dangerous. And at Cameron Shanks, is their kick? He's done all the kickoff returns for him, uh, including three returns for 58 yards for a 19 yard average. So nothing, nothing that scares you a lot. Uh, last year they used their starting running back, uh, Jermaine Brown, but he has they've moved away from him this year. Okay. Uh, before we get into your final thoughts, uh, here, here are a couple of observations last week on on my side. The UAB was 0 for 2 on fourth downs, but very respectable 8 of 13 on third down, 5 for 6 in the red zone, all five being touchdowns, <laughs> uh, missed their only field goal. Uh, like you said, one punt return. 
uh, seven of the nine kickoffs that Georgia Southern had was touchbacks. Yeah. So uh, not giving them the opportunity to return. So we, again, we really don't know what's going to happen at that point. If we give them those opportunities, one thing I do know that the Cajuns do need to do a better job of filling their lanes and keeping their lane assignments, which broke down several times uh, last weekend. It did. It did. Um, yeah. And look, special teams is a big part of the game, right? And if you're not, you know, you don't want to give the team the ball at the 35, 40, 45 yard line, right? It just makes them, makes it much easier to run plays when you do that. So we've got to be better at our special teams, especially on kickoff returns. Um, I think we've done a decent job on punt returns, but I think kickoff returns make me nervous. Uh, we've got to fill our lanes. We've got to keep them, you know, kick the ball deep and keep them inside the 25-yard line as much as possible. My final observation, I said it was my last one, but at the same time, only five rushing first downs, passing 17 last weekend, and uh, a penalty gave them one. So uh, observation there for me is uh, you've uh, – Cajun's – cannot continue to jump off sides like they did on defense. We can't. Yes, you're exactly right. Uh, when, and, when team... uh, and then and then next is we, we've got to do a better job on the pass defense and force them to run the ball. If this team is going to beat us just as it did for uh, for Old Dominion, it's going to be through the air. Yeah, I, I look, I think in watching that game, I – I think we underestimated, and I know and Coach talked about it, I, I think we underestimated how super fast those receivers were. Uh, one of those guys is a, was an all-state high school sprinter, uh, but they were getting behind us a lot, way too often. And uh, I think that, you know, you'd hope that if that was the case, then we were doing a really good job of stopping the run. That meant our safeties were creeping up and we were trying to stop the run. I, I don't think we did a good job of either of those. And I think we've got to come back and 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 make some plays. Like I said, we've got to make plays on first down to keep them from having those second and fours, um, which makes it opens up the offense to a lot of different options. So um, I'm hoping that coach went back, looked at some film and said, we're going to do some things different. And I know you're looking at a completely different offense than what you saw last week. Um, but again, you don't want to give these guys to have short yardage on second and third downs. It just, it's just, it's too, it's too easy to get them when it's second and four. And yeah. when it's third, third and nine is where you want to be. Right. Absolutely. Dave, I appreciate your time as always. Absolutely. Uh, one thing I know I will be doing this coming week We'll be watching the Cajun's opponent against Buffalo because I felt like I had too many unanswered questions. And I'm a stats guy, and usually I can sure. look at the stats and say this, this, and this. But this didn't give it to me this weekend. You know, I know you were able to watch some 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 highlights and stuff like that. I didn't feel comfortable. So uh, next week, I hope to be better prepared for you. So I, I have a question. Do you know who Buffalo faces this weekend? That's a another great question there, Dave. I'm sorry. That I am, I'm sorry. That I'm I am unprepared for as Look, well. Wait, but I've, I'm, me, I, I've got me, it coming. 
Uh, you got it coming. You're going to get it faster than I will. Oh, then. well, I'm. they're playing Liberty. Liberty. Well, that'll be a fun game to watch. And I'm, uh, yeah, I, I hope I get a few minutes. Do you know what time that game comes on? That game is a noon kickoff. Well, I'm assuming oh, it's good. probably 11 a.m. our time. So yeah. actually, uh, CBS Sports Network. So I'll be okay. able to catch that one at the hotel. I will uh, I will be following that one for sure because I really would like to get a look at Buffalo and what they're going to bring to the table. Uh, so I'll try to keep my eyes on that one since we have a, a later game. Uh, so that'll give me an opportunity to watch that one. Yep. They are playing in Buffalo. So uh, I, I think that would be a, a great opportunity for us to learn something about and take some notes before next weekend. Well, because maybe it'll I, be. I said I said I was going to watch the game later on in the week, but I don't know if you can rewatch games that are on the CBS Sports Network. I may record I, it on my TV, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully, the weather will be. Well, the weather's probably going to be awful in uh, Buffalo this weekend because I think that storm's going to be moving up that way. Um, but well, then they're maybe on the west. They're on the west side yeah, of the state. That's true. I don't think they're going to catch a lot of that. Well, maybe when they come down here, it'll be a nice 104 for them so that we can uh, <laughs> get, them, yeah. get them ready for some 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 serious southwestern Louisiana weather. Exactly. All right, so, Dave, time to sign off for me to the night. Uh, absolutely. Appreciate your well, time. Get that, absolutely. that, get that uh, monitor fix there. I'll and, do my uh, best. I, I'm, learning, I'm learning as I go here with it. I understand. Uh, we'll be back next week as we've been talking about for the last five minutes with our uh, preview of Buffalo for Dave Amato. I'm Craig Malasson. You've been listening to we're talking. We've been talking football, raging Cajun football. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.